Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we are going to be going over Saturday's game versus the Spurs, who I thought the top players were, and just some of my takeaways, uh, as well as what to expect for tomorrow's game against Chicago Bulls and who you should be looking out for. So, on Saturday's game, we entered without eight players. Now, of those of note, Three of them were projected starters. Dort was not there. Baisley was not there. Al Horford was not there. And we somehow managed to win the game by 13. We won 121 to 108. So the Thunder took the lead like five minutes into the first quarter. And they just never gave it back up. They built a lead up to like 20 points sometime in the second half. The Spurs made a really great comeback. They cut it down to two. Just a little bit. In, I think it was like midway through the fourth quarter. They cut the lead to two. But the Thunder got on an 8-0 run. That 10-point lead, that's all they needed. They held that. Uh, actually grew it because they won by 13. And yeah, San Antonio never was able to catch up. So the key players on the Thunder for that game, second-round pick Teo Maladon, he led the charge. He had 20 points. He went 7 for 14 on the field. He had five boards and two assists. He played excellent. I will be talking about him in the next segment. Mike Muscala, he he was perfect for his role. Uh, a lot of people were kind of saying they're not sure uh, how Muscala is going to fit. He's kind of a little bit too old. The age thing, he's not the same age as a lot of our other guys, but uh, he still can make a real impact. He's a he's a good stretch four, and he showed it. Uh, he's, he had 18 points, perfect 5 of 5 from the field. Four of those shots came from three, and he did all that in 17 minutes, so he was crazy productive on Saturday. Now, Frank Jackson, the newcomer from the New Orleans Pelicans, I really didn't know what to make of him. I made a post about Frank Jackson. I have a new website up, kylesingler4mvp.com. I know the website name is a little bit funny. I have a little description on why I named it that on there but yeah I have some great stuff uh gonna be talking about Thunder News throughout the season have probably like eight nine posts already out and I'm planning on publishing some more before the Bulls game tomorrow so yeah I did an article on him I said one of the main issues with him was inconsistency well we haven't had a big enough sample size but he showed today what he could or he showed on Saturday what he could be he had 14 points 8 11 uh, 8 for 11 on the field and went 2 for 4 from 3. And then he also had a pair of rebounds and a pair of assists. He played perfect. I'm also going to be explaining him in a bit. First round pick Alexei Pokachevsky. He really started out the game extremely slow. He started the game 1 for 6. Ice cold. He was making some terrible decisions. He picked it back up and he ended up with 14 points, 5 of 12 shooting, and 4 for 8 from 3. And he almost got a double-double. He had eight boards and two assists. So he did a good job. I'll be explaining him. Hamadou Diallo, uh, I've always been super high on him. He played his role. Um, As per usual, he just attacks the paint. And the San Antonio Spurs were not able to stop him. He had 14 points, 7 of 14 shooting, 50% right there. And he had 10 boards, four of those on offense. And I boasted about how good Diallo is when it comes to offensive rebounding. And he made me look real good with that statement on Saturday because he is all over the place with boards. He's so athletic. He'll sky up for rebounds, get the extra uh, extra possession in. And if he has that easy putback, he's going to take it. 
And honestly, I think a couple of his points may have come from second chances. Now, the last dude I wanted to point out as a key player was Isaiah Roby. Now, he wasn't popping off the page for his points. If you look at the box score, you're really not going to be wowed by him. It was like, oh, that's a good game. But he played a really, really good game. He had seven points, 11 rebounds, and three steals. There's a there's a main reason, you know, you look at it, they're like, oh, it must be because of the defense, partially. But he really played an all-around great game, and I'll, I'll speak a bit on him as well. Now, the actual, I think the best player by far was Teo Maladon. I had four selections for my players of the game. I already discussed them, really, but just to repeat it, Teo Maladon, Alexei Pokachevsky, Frank Jackson, and Isaiah Roby are the four. Now, first off, it's it's got to be Teo Maladon. Now, he literally showed everything. He showed everything he could do. He pulled every aspect of his game out. He played perfectly. And I did a really good breakdown article on him, full-depth analysis. I have game tape. I break down the game tape. That's also on my website. Um, so make sure to check that out. I'm going to give maybe like a little bit of a shorter summary of it. Obviously, the clips are not there, so since I'm just talking to you guys, you can't get that aspect of it. But yeah, I'm just going to be talking about how he played. He played really good. So coming out of um, Europe, uh, I think it was in France that he was playing in, my expectation, he was going to be a really good pick-and-roll player. And the other parts of his game, like he was decent at, but he would need to work on it. Now, the way he played on Saturday, it didn't look like he needed to work on anything. And the biggest thing that popped out to me, he has an elite understanding of the pick and roll. Now, I have always thought his pick and roll was the best asset of his game. But to this degree, I didn't realize he was this good. Now, coming off screens, um, he ends up positioning. He positions himself in front of the defender pretty much every time whenever they go over the screen. So if they go over the screen, um, the defender's coming off there, and then they have to, Maladon's like right right in front of him. Maladon's like backing him down like with his butt or whatever. That's creating room. And the, the defender's stuck. They get pretty much taken out of the play. And Maladon has a clear path to the lane. He did that so many times on Saturday, and he's done that so many times before in his professional career. He's so good at that. And because it makes him that defender stuck and gets the open lane, it gives some really great opportunities for him. Now, when he drives in on that pick and roll, um, he always prioritizes he always prioritizes dumping the ball off to his big man or or whoever the role man is. Now, what he does, um, he he likes to kind of trick the defense out a little bit. Um, it sometimes it looks like he's going to go up for a shot. Maybe he goes up for like a floater motion, gets up in the air, and then he dishes it off. That worked like a charm on Saturday. There was a specific play with two-way player uh, Moses Brown. He's like a seven-foot-two center. That exact same scenario happened. Maladon got off a screen. He got uh he got by his man. He like backed him down so he couldn't get near him. Drives in. Fakes going up for a floater and just dumps it off. Perfect dump off pass to Moses Brown. Now, Moses Brown didn't end up making the layup, but it was so open. Maladon did everything he could. 
that's what you would love to see. And if he's able to do that consistently every single time, he's going to be an issue with defenses, and they're going to have to scheme around how he plays in the pick and roll because it's very, very good. Now, whenever he wants to dump it off, he's he's always good with that. Let's say the defender stays home and he wants to make Maladon create a shot for himself. Now, he has a lot of moves that allows him to create shots when they stay home. So even when he can't dump it off, he's still very good at finishing around the basket. Um, he's really good at like faking the defense out. He ended up using some pass fakes on Saturday to get himself open. He's driving in. You have the dude stuck there in the middle, two-on-one. Hits you with a, f- a pass fake. Um, the defender gets all faked out. The defender will like shift their feet towards the uh, roll man. And once Maladin sees that, that's the green light to go out for his floater. He pulled that off. It's perfect. That's something that people will be seeing on the tape Maladin doing with, you know, when him driving in on these pick and roll situations. He's great at baiting the defender to get himself open as well. So just overall in the pick and roll, you have to love him. And there wasn't many opportunities. I don't even think there was a time where there was so much help Maladin had to kick it out to the corner or to another player. But he's completely capable of it. So he has everything you want in a pick-and-roll point guard or shooting guard, wherever you want to put him. Now, my second point, passing, which really also goes into the pick-and-roll. He's really good at pick-and-rolls, prioritizing the pass. Uh, he's great at jump passes. There were there were times where he would have two pe- people on him, whether it be through like a pick and roll or just it just happened that way. He's double teamed. He will jump up and just sling that thing across the court, and he's so good at it. He was looking at defenders specifically on the corner. Whenever he's at the top of the key or at a wing with the ball, he's always looking at what's going on in the corners. And I believe Patty Mills fell victim to this one of these times. I don't know who the other was. But these defenders in the corner started ball watching like crazy, and they start dropping down low into the paint. Maladon skies up, perfect pass to the corner. Both times went to Frank Jackson. Frank Jackson hit two easy threes, so open because of Maladon's awareness. It looked like it was not. It looked like there was no pass to be made. I mean, he's double teamed, completely draped. He had to jump up super high and throw it. Uh, over two guys, and then you have to keep in mind Mills is trying to get back on his guy. He couldn't have de- he couldn't have done it any better. And Jackson's two three pointers came right off of Maladin without Maladon. Um, Jackson probably would have not had two three pointers. He was O of two. Um, um, if you're not counting the ones that he got from Maladon. Now finishing, like I said with the floaters, great stuff there. Um, he's also not afraid to take contact when he's driving in. His first play when he checked in, it was like 30 seconds after the whistle sounded and he got his first seconds in the, the NBA preseason or whatever. He just gets the ball, he drives in, Euro steps right into the fender, goes up, and he got a foul call. Now, that was great, he got to the line, I think he hit both of his free throws, and he just kept going on with the finishing, so... Completely capable finisher. Is he a dude that you're going to see flying around dunking on people? I wouldn't expect it. But he has some sneaky good moves like the floaters, the Euro steps, the runners. He has a nice package to him when it comes to uh, 
finishing. So another thing, just shooting. He really didn't shoot a ton um, on Saturday, but he was 2-2 two two for 3, and I want to point that out. His jump shot looks so fluid. He has a quick enough release, and he was able to stop on a dime for one of these threes, just straight up buried it. Him and SGA were on the court. I want to see SGA and Maladon like on the court together a lot because I think their play styles match up perfectly. SGA was taking the ball up, and he spotted Maladon running up the court as well. Just easy, dump it off to him. He was open, catch and shoot, bang. I don't. I think the other three may have just been like a catch and shoot or another pull up of some sorts, but yeah, just those two shots were perfect. You couldn't ask for any better. Now, two shots is not a it's not like a huge sample size or whatever, but you've loved to see uh you love to see it when it comes to how he was shooting on Saturday. And just simple things like some of his like some of the plays he was doing looks like so veteran. It did not look like he was a rookie at all. It looked like he he's been in the league for 10 years, a 10-year uh all-star point guard really. He saw a miss, uh mismatch um at some point in the game. It was him, and I believe it was like Jakob Pertle. Actually, don't quote me on that because I'm not sure which power forward it was, but he had a power forward on him off this pick and roll, and this is one of the very few times that the Spurs opted to switch on the screens instead of like just dealing with it and having to recover and all that. They switched on the screens. He had a power forward on him. Immediately, he just sprints towards the baseline and hits, uh, hits his man with a step back. There's so much room there. The defender had to jump, and he just he just paused for a bit, waited for him to get close enough, jumped up, and got the easy foul. So he got to the line fairly easily there. And then also he just like took a charge from Demar Derozan. Um, I think they were trying to force that matchup onto Maladon with Derozan on him. They finally got the matchup. So there was a switch on a screen. Maladon gets put on Demar Derozan. And immediately he just starts charging to the rim because there's a there's an obvious size advantage. DeMar DeRozan's bigger than Maladon is in terms of weight, and he just looks a lot stronger. So Maladon gave him some like a little bit of cushion room, and um, as soon as DeRozan starts charging at him, he sets his feet down. He gets a little bit of contact. I don't know if he should have went flying like he did because he did go flying on the replay. But he, he sold it pretty well, and he ended up getting to charge. So that was just one little tiny detail that I, I really loved from him. He actually played such a good game. This, you know, I don't know what Mark said to him after the game, but after the first quarter, he only played like four minutes. Mark pulled him to the side and must he said something to him. I don't know what he said. It's probably a good job or something, but yeah. They have got to be so happy the way Maladon played. He had such a good first quarter. He kept it up the whole way through. So, um, yeah, I expect him to have a much bigger role on um, Wednesday. Now, the second guy, I want to talk about Alexei Pokachevsky. Now, as I previously stated, he was one for six to start the game. He was ice cold, and it wasn't just the shooting. He was just being absolutely careless with the ball. Um, there were times where he was trying to take the ball up court himself, which isn't a bad thing because he is super fast, but he would just, he would take it himself and he would run out of options because no one else was following him. 
So he'd drive in, and he'd be, like, double-teamed. And there was no pass-out option. He just had to chuck up a terrible shot, and that ended up happening a couple times. And then there were other times where he just, like, he jacked up shots for no reason and left it way short. There were at least two air balls I saw from him um, out of however many shots. I think it was 12 shots. At least two of those were air balls. So he, he didn't start too well. Now, he picked it up with uh, going four or six, all four of those being from the three-point line. His jumper is insanely quick. I ended up timing it. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's like 100% this much because in terms of like me trying to calculate uh, when the release starts and when it ends, I'm good at when it ends, but the timing, like off a of catch and shoot, how am I supposed to know when he starts his shot motion? I don't know. I clocked it in at five tenths of a second for him to get his release off for a seven footer that is absolutely ridiculous his mechanics are perfect he's squared um to the basket whenever he shoots he gets a ton of lift on his jumper uh he's pretty much flying whenever he's shooting the ball the only knock on his shot that i have he extends his elbows out so much when he shoots it kind of defeats the purpose of like his wingspan a little bit He's still so lengthy that it, it shouldn't really matter much, but he extends his elbows out so much. He, like, flicks the ball almost, like, I mean, obviously, you got to flick it outwards, but with, like, a normal, like, a Steph Curry jump shot, when he's shooting the ball, the ball's going upwards. It's like an arc. With him, it's like a straight shot. It was like a straight line shot every time he pulled it from three, and that's just due to his jumper looking like that. Now, if he's wide open, it's not going to be an issue. And if you try blocking his jump shot, his arms are so far out there, it may be not even worth risking it because you're going to hit his arm uh, unless you're like really, really lucky. So the jumper just, it, the way he shoots is, it is a bit, a bit weird, kind of messes up his height advantage. But at the same time, it's also a bit of a benefit because he should be able to get a lot more shooting fouls just because of how much he extends his arms out there. Now, um, one quick thing which I did point out was just his speed. In transition, he is so fast. He got a rebound on one end and just completely outran his guy. I think it was Jakob Pertl on the play. He got his rebound, sped up the court. None of his Thunder players were nearby, and that's the play I was referencing where he just like chucked up a random shot. He sped down the court. It was like one-on-one. And he did some like funky Euro step. Um, and then he just airballed it. It was it was ugly. But that's just what you like to see from him. That speed is going to be a serious problem if if he's playing power forward. Power forwards are gonna have a complete nightmare uh when they are guarding him just because of how big of an athlete he is. Now, um passing is what I love him for the most, and he never really had a shot to show it. He was more used as like a catch and shoot player the whole game. It was kind of sad because before he got on his hot streak where he was hitting three after three, he made like three of those three three pointers in the span of like a minute and a half or something. So he got all his points in bunches. That time where he wasn't shooting the ball, it was kind of sad because he was wide open. And he was just like, I don't know if he was screaming or whatever, but he was like waving his hands up. He wanted the ball. He was not being given the ball. He finally got it and he was fine. But yeah, I mean, his role was strictly just shooting. 
there were a couple times where he was allowed to dribble, but it was few and far between. One of the opportunities he did, he made a great play. Um, Isaiah Roby set like a fake screen, so he like ran up there, um, pretended to set one, just sprinted back to the paint. Pokachevsky saw him do that. Uh, Roby was way too fast for his man. He did a great job. And Pokachevsky just launched it over to him. So he threw it over two guys to Roby. Great pass. I think I don't I think the I, I don't think Roby was able to maintain possession of it. I think he bobbled it a bit. So there was no two points at the end, but it was just a great pass. So yeah. Uh I like Pokachevsky more for like his jump passing. If you look at his tape from his time in Europe, a lot of it is just his ability to pass. He throws it across the court. He'll throw jump passes. There was like an alley-oop one time where instead of just dunking it, which he could have done, he decided to like do a no-look tap pass to another guy. That one got me super excited. That was one of my favorite plays on his um, Euro, uh, Euro League highlights or wherever he was in Europe. So yeah, um, there's a lot of promise with Poku's passing. He didn't show a ton of it, but yeah, I mean, he really just showed he showed a glimpse of everything on Saturday, which you love to see. So going into Wednesday, you should have high uh, high hopes with him. Now Frank Jackson started on the right foot. I was telling y'all at the beginning how I was a little bit unsure of how productive Frank Jackson would be. And there's games, he's had times in his career where he's just completely up and down. He's had month stretches where he can't find the bottom of the rim. Today, it was, or on Saturday, it was just not an issue. He was scoring from every single level. Those two wide open corner threes um, set up by Teo. I think he switched them both. Great stuff there. Um, from mid-range, he was creating his own shots. He was running to the baseline and shooting it with like a second left on the clock. That was probably my favorite thing with him. He was just able to... He really wasn't setting people up. I think he had like five turnovers. But he wasn't setting people up. He was setting himself up though. And he was creating good enough looks for him to take. And he hit a majority of them. Now, whenever the uh, mid-range shot was not there, he would just drive right inside. Now, I don't know how many times he ended up getting the line or how many times he finished, but there were a couple times where he did charge right out like a bigger dude. I don't remember if the end result was pretty, but I just like seeing that from him. The last dude I do want to point out is Isaiah Roby. And just to preface this a little bit, I originally had Roby as one of the guys that I wanted to cut, um for the 15-man roster. Now I want him. I think he proved himself on Saturday. He had to play big man the whole entire game. He's a small forward. He's like 6'8", 6'9". He doesn't weigh a lot. It's like 210 to 220. He was matched up against bigs the whole time. It was power forwards. He might have even played a bit of center. Defense was perfect. Um, The only other dudes that were helping on in terms of like playing at big was Muscala and TJ Leaf. So there wasn't a lot of help there. It's not like those two are exceptional defenders. He was probably the best defender out of those three. He had three steals um, just on defense. There was no issue there. He had, he had his 11 rebounds, so it wasn't like he was having issues boxing out and getting boards. He was fine there. 
Offensively, he wasn't shooting a lot. That wasn't part of his game, and it's completely fine. He only had seven points. But one aspect of the offense, which you're not going to see on the box score, is just how well he was setting his screens. He was the perfect roller with Teo Maladon, and he also was the roller on Pokachevsky's play as well. His screens were so nice. I mean, he's athletic. He's super lengthy. Um, he's like... He's just strong enough. He's just strong enough to like get the guard caught up in his screen, but at the same time he's faster than the normal big, so he can roll. The thing with him is I'm not really sure what kind if he's going to maintain the same role because we are getting more bigs back, but I just love seeing him play at the power forward and center spot. I think I'd prefer to have him at power forward to be to be completely honest with you, I think at small forward, you're going to see his strengths kind of go away. And I think the pick setting or the screen setting is the best as- aspect we saw from him on Saturday. So we'll see how um, they're able to reshape his role and what kind of role he just plays in general. Now, um, those were just my four key players from Saturday. Heading into Wednesday's game versus the Bulls. Things are going to be a lot different, and that's going to lead me to what we should be expecting. Now, the game is going to be 7 p.m. Central Standard Time uh, tomorrow on Wednesday. You can catch it on the Thunder's website. It's like just search Thunder Live into Google, and whatever the first one is, that's the one you want to click on. You're going to get the game for, for free. That's what I used for the Spurs game, and... It was awesome because you could actually rewatch parts of the game after the stream ended. I don't know if that's going to be fixed for um, the next game against the Bulls, but if you ever want to look back at some of the highlights, if that feature is still available, go ahead and do it because it was awesome. I got to watch pretty much rewatch most of the game again. But um, the situation will be different with this Bulls game in terms of players. We're going to have a good majority of those eight players gone um, from Saturday back. Of those that could return, Lou Dort, Darius Baisley, and Al Horford are your main dudes. Baisley and Horford are your bigs, and that's why I believe Roby will not be playing at the power forward spot as much on Wednesday, but we will have to see. Just some of the uh, key matchups I have for the game. Zach Levine for Lou Dort is the first one. Obviously, we're not sure if Dort is playing, but if he does indeed play, that's going to be a really good at matchup. Levine's speed and athleticism is a perfect test for Dort um, for the preseason. We saw Dort clamp down on James Harden. James Harden's more of like a perimeter player, a shot creator. He's really good at penetrating, but he doesn't have the athleticism and blazing speed like Levine does. So... We'll see how Dort is able to um, stop Levine because of just how how fast he is. Second thing I want to mention is just Baisley versus all the power forwards. Baisley didn't really have to play any big dudes in the playoffs because the Rockets were so undersized. The Bulls are a good test because they have some real bigs. Um, Laurie Markkinen is the first dude you think of. They have Wendell Carter Jr. Wendell's more of like a center. Markin's more the power forward. And then um, off the bench, you have a you have guys like Daniel Gafford. So these are all some big, big forwards, big fives that he may be matched up against. 
He said he's been working on um, playing defense against some of these bigger people, and he has been a great shot blocker and rebounder last season, even against like true power forwards. We'll see if uh, he's able to maintain that and even be better when it comes to guarding some of these guys. Now, for the key players that I mentioned from Saturday, Maladon, Poku, Frank Jackson, and Roby, I think Maladon is going to have... I'm not sure about an uptick in minutes because he had like high 20s in terms of minutes. I think Maladon will get some run with the starter starting unit though, specifically with SGA. Now maybe that's just wishful thinking because I love the idea of Maladon and Shea together so much, but like I said, I think Maladon and SGA, their, their play styles are so similar. They're playmakers with the ability to shoot. SGA is more of a shooter and a shot creator than Maladon is. Maladon's more of the um, the basic like pick and roll pass first point guard who has the ability to hit a shot. But that one-two punch should be really nice to see if they end up throwing it out there. If they don't throw it out on Wednesday, they're going to throw it out sometime um, in Friday's game versus Chicago. For Poku... I still expect him to stay as like a main spot-up shooter in a corner or a wing. I could see him maybe being part of pick-and-roll situations, but I don't I don't expect him to be have the green light to just be a ball handler. Um, if there was a time for him to, it would have been the first game, and they just didn't want to do it. So I think that's something that they will um, start developing with him in time, uh, being one of the ball handlers. Now, Frank Jackson... I love him as a shooting guard. I think they're going to test him as a shooting guard. They're not going to let him run the point and be the one passing the ball around because he he had five turnovers to two assists. That's not good at all. He's more of just that shot creator. He's like the ISO dude. If you need points at the very end of your possession, throw it to him. Um, maybe he'll be able to get something for you. I want to see just if he's able to maintain his consistency, though. That's the one thing. I'm worried about with him. Isaiah Roby, I think he's getting switched back to small forward, sadly. They might tinker with him at the four. The five's out of the question for the rest of the year. Maybe in like a super duper small ball lineup, you could do that, but I wouldn't I wouldn't get your hopes up. I don't think Roby's playing the five again. And I don't know if he's gonna be able to be setting as many screens because sure he may be setting screens, but if you have a dude like Al Horford already on the court or just a big who can't shoot the ball, there's no point in that screen because if the paint's already clogged up, what's the point? It's not like Roby's like going to be a pick-and-pop dude. Um, he really he hasn't been a great shooter thus far in his career, so they wouldn't make him do that now. He's, just, he's more of just the role man, and with a center clogging up the paint, makes it kind of useless you need the center being the one doing that stuff unless it's like Mike Muscala maybe you could get away with him in the corner or something but yeah now um just some things on what I would like to look out for Maladon's performance at the top of the list if he can keep that up keep up what he did on Saturday he will be an issue and the league will be looking at him I don't know how he slid that far in the draft, to be completely honest with you. I had him number 20 in my mock draft to Miami. Slid to us, first-round value. He was one of the best rookies um, in the first game of the preseason. Let's see if he can carry it over to the second. I'm excited. Um, Poku shooting, 
We saw him really not being able to hit uh, in the first half. He picked up a shot in the second half. I just want to see if he's able to have a full game where he's fairly consistent from three. He ended up shooting four for eight from three, so it wasn't like he had a bad game at all. Last game from down there, I just don't want to see the cold the cold streaks and the hot streaks. The hot streaks are fine, not so much the cold ones. Consistency of Frank Jackson's also a priority, like I said. Another dude that I haven't talked about yet is Admiral Schofield. He played 18 minutes um, in Saturday's game, but he went 0 for 2 and really didn't have any sort of impact. I was super high on Schofield when he got him. I thought maybe he would be like a good defensive presence just with his frame. He's 6'5", like 240 pounds. He said he cut some of that, so we'll see what he is now. But yeah, he's just a big dude who, I mean, he's a shooter with a little bit of athleticism, and he didn't show any of that. We'll see if his role gets uh, taken down a notch with some more people coming in, but I don't know. I'm, I just want to see if Schofield can bounce back because his first game was not good at all. One dude who did not play in the first game, who may be debuting tomorrow, is Josh Hall. Um, he was an undrafted free agent. We picked him up on a two-way deal. Six foot nine, 190 pounds, former five-star. He was supposed to go to NC State, but then he, he decided to go like prep school or something. Ended up hurting the draft stock because he didn't get drafted. But yeah, great athleticism, um, and he's a pretty good ball handler just for his size. And he's shown flashes of having a a good shot I mean his release is good his shot selection is poor but uh I mean this is a dude that shouldn't have went undrafted and there can be some real value with him here so I'm very excited I think a lineup of Maladon Josh Hall and Poku could end up happening and that is something you are going to want to tune in and watch because that that's going to be exciting if you want to hear a little bit more about Josh Hall by the way I will also be breaking him down in an article on Kyle Singler for MVP.com in the near future. But other than that, guys, um, thank you for listening to today's podcast, and I will talk to you guys later. See ya.